That's what you now, don't I? This is the Black Rifle Coffee Podcast. Prepare to get caffeinated. All right. Welcome to Free Rain. No, this is Black Rifle Coffee Podcast. I don't even know what podcasts are on right now. My God. Free Range American Black Rifle Coffee Podcast. I like Black Rifle Coffee Podcast better. I love the logo. It just flows off the tongue as well. Uh, well, we have a very special guest today, Mr. Zach Wild. I have been a fan of your career for a very long time. As you can see, I have lots of guitars behind me, but I will never play in the presence of you because uh, <laughs> I am not good enough. But uh, I've been following your career for a long time, man, and um, you're, you're, you do some killer stuff, and I'm um, glad to have you on the show and have a chat with you. Oh, right back at you, guys. All right, cool, man. Yeah, Zach, you've been a, a huge supporter of the military forever. Uh, yeah, my dad, well, my dad's a World War II vet, D-Day, Omaha Beach, the whole nine yard, man. Yeah. Was, yeah I did yeah, not well, know that. Yeah, I didn't either. Yeah, totally, man. So, uh, yeah. Uh, I, and it's, you know, I mean, it's not, and it's not just because, you know, my father and everything like that. It's just, it's, I don't know, it, it's, I, I just, I just assume everybody is. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, you know, my father never told me, you know, not, not to break the law, not to go to jail. You just, I just, you assume everybody gets that. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. no, I mean, I've never had to tell my kids. I have four kids. I, you know, and I mean, of the older ones, you know, they, they understand that, you know, when you want to rule the world and, you know, when it comes to global domination, jail kind of gets in the way of yeah. being successful in anything that you want to do, you know? Pretty much so, anything, yeah. <laughs> no, I've never, but I've never had to explain that to them. I've never had to hit them. I've never had to do anything like that. Like, they get it. You, you know, but that's the way I always look at it. Either, either you get it or you don't. You know that's what I mean? It's interesting it's, statement. Yeah, that. It, it, you know, it's like instilling a work ethic in somebody. It, you, you're either, no, I, the way I look at it, you're either born a lion or you ain't. And that, that's it. So... You you either I don't know you can't if somebody's lazy you can't you can't force them to you know embrace the grind it, you know because it just that's it's not part of their DNA that's that yeah that's interesting that you say that that you you should you, you feel that you shouldn't have to tell people to support the military and and kind of be patriotic and I I found ourselves especially with our company and things that we've done over the years actually having to have real conversations around why the military and supporting the military is so important. And it's kind of a weird thing because I maybe it's a product of um, how most of us were probably raised with military parents. You know, it was so just ingrained in the DNA and the lifestyle and the culture of a raising that it was just, that's what you do because it makes sense. Those are the people that provide your freedoms and your safety. And that's something that everyone in America should support. So that's cool to hear that. Yeah, yeah. without a doubt, man. Oh, totally. Well, uh, so Zach, like when... Where did this start? When did when did you first get a guitar in your hand for the first time? Um, I probably I, I probably started when I was about eight, but uh, you know I, I didn't I never applied myself or you know one of the I didn't put the the, the time in to practice and everything like that. And I, even the guitar teacher told my parents he was like oh, he's not ready yet, you know, because I still wanted to hang out with my friends. I wanted to go swimming, you know, we played little league at the time and wiffle ball, and I'd rather I'd rather hang out with my friends, you know, and sit and practice or put in hours playing, 
You know, I mean, but it, the, the whole thing, I came back when I was about like 14 because, you know, I was playing football and like my guys were like Randy White, Jack Lambert, uh, and obviously Dick Butkus and guys like that. But I mean, obviously my, my whole mindset at that point was I was going to be a middle linebacker and I was either going to go to Ohio State University or Penn State University, which is basically linebacker universities. So I, that, I already had a game planned out when I was about like 11 years old, 12 years old when I was playing Pop Warner football. And then, uh, so about a, actually I thought about even going to Maryland university because Randy White went there and that's, you know, that's where he went to school. So but at the time, so I couldn't put the weight on cause I didn't know about female growth hormone at the time. So, uh, so by the time I got to <laughs> high school football, I remember, uh, they were talking about moving me to safety or cornerback or something. I was like, nah, if I can't play middle linebacker all right, or outside any, anything linebacker, but mostly it was middle linebacker. But the whole thing is, uh, I was like, nah. I, I couldn't put the weight on at the time. So uh, I mean, went over to the football coach's house, Leroy, uh, Mr. Wright, and uh, he was he was awesome. So uh, but I went over to his house. My mother took me over there, and he was just like, Mr. Wright was saying, oh, well, you know, Zach, you want to stick with football and this and that? And you know, I said, yeah, but Mr. Wright, if I can't play middle linebacker, I don't want to play. So he just said, uh, he was like, uh, there was a guitar sitting in the corner of Les Paul. And my mother was like, oh, Mr. Wright, you play? And he goes, nah, you know kind of noodle on like country songs and stuff like that. I just play chords. My son Leroy is the one that plays. And I remember Leroy coming out at the time and he was uh, probably the first time I ever saw a guy with long hair who had a Harley Davidson hat on. And I was just like, I was like, wow. And then next thing I know, when I saw him sit down and play, he was playing all, you know, Sabbath, Zeppelin. And I think at the time, this is when obviously Ozzy started doing stuff with uh, St. Rhodes over there. So he's playing like crazy training. But to see somebody's hands doing it in person, I was just completely like blown away. Uh, I was instantly when I just saw that, I just looked like the coolest thing to do. I was just like, this is what I want to do with the rest of my life. So I ended up taking lessons with Leroy for about a year and a half. And he was a great teacher because he would, you know, he would show me, you know, all the songs that I wanted to learn, but basically, you know, scales and theory and everything like that. But he'd break it down like, you know, if you took a car apart, you know, an engine apart and a transmission. And all the parts are just laying there. You don't know where they go or what they do, but then you just shows how everything connects. And the reason why you need this piece has to go with this piece and this piece. And it's like, and broke it down in simple terms. So it's like, oh, okay. So like the first time I learned how to play the lick to back in black, that was like a major breakthrough that I could do. I was like, oh my God, I'm actually playing music. And everybody was like, you know why that works? And, you know, and then he showed me how all the pentatonic scales connect and why that works. And, it, you know, so which made a, just opened up the whole world of what, you know, with theory and everything like that. So, uh, and, you know, obviously training your ear. So obviously when you hear things now, you can tell whether they're open strings and where the chord voicings are and everything like that, you know, just learn how to play by ear. But, uh, but you know, so I studied with him for about a year and a half, which was great. So, but it, it was, um, but that's when I I was just at 14 years old. I was just like, this is what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. I feel like that's why I've always been a fan of your guitar playing so much because I, I, I bucket musicians usually in two different like genres. They're musical theorists where they're, you know, more jazz playing. They're, they know the, the neck of the guitar like nothing. And then they're more like, you know, people that just talk with the guitar, like maybe a Hendrix. But it seems your style of music has kind of combined the two. Is that just kind of what you wanted to do? Or is that because specific people that you looked up to maybe as a kid, like Zeppelin was something I played and like, you know, 
Jimmy Page for me was like a, a revolutionary guitar player and what he was doing and making sounds with the guitar was, do you think that was just what you wanted to do with the bands that you ended up joining later in life? Or was it kind of stemming from who was your influences musically at, a, at such a young age? Yeah, well, I mean, I was always a huge Elton John guy. And I mean, that's where I started. You know, so I saw Elton John play Loosing the Sky with Diamonds on the uh, Sonny and Cher show when I was a kid. And I remember uh, I, I was just completely blown, like got chills. I remember that and like, just the power of music. So, uh, but then I remember like probably when I was around 11 is when I discovered like Black Sabbath. And then after that, it was then, you know, my buddy Scott, his, uh, the Smiths who lived next door to us. It was, it was great because they had 11 kids. So Scotty was the youngest. He was my buddy. And his oldest brother was 44 years old, all out of the same woman, Mrs. <laughs> Smith. And then, like everybody would know his ass. Yeah. <laughs> are they Catholic? Everyone would be going, are they Catholic? And it's like, yes, they are Catholic. But I mean, it's just like, but they had uh, six boys, five girls. And Scotty was my age, but his, uh, his other older brother, Dougie, was the one that him and his buddies, I mean, you used to see the parties that they used to have next door to us. I mean, these summer parties would be insane because, like, let's say that, you know, the four of us are brothers. Each one of us has, like, three or four kids. So, I'd like, these the family gatherings, the Christmases, the Easters, the, I mean, everything over at the Smith's house, it was completely, it was like 500 people at this house, man. I mean, it was just, like, completely out of control with nothing but good times and just... Great music, Eagles pumping out of the house. I mean, like, but like Dougie and them were like huge deadheads as well. And I always thought it was like the coolest thing that like all their friends, they'd have friends from all over, like coming from Boston, coming from down south and stuff like that. They'd all meet over at Dougie's house in, in Jersey and they'd all like road trip it going to see like the dead going up to Boston and they'd road trip it all the way out to like Chicago or whatever. And I used to, being a kid, I used to go, wow, that's like the coolest thing ever. And like the band, it's bigger than a band. It's this living, breathing thing. And it just, you know, and it just brings people together. And it's like next to, you know, and it's, that's why I think it's like the coolest thing with Black Label now. I mean, it's just like, we, I mean, now we're up, what, about 22 years now. But I mean, the whole thing is where it's actually somebody's wearing, has the colors on or they're wearing a, you know, Black Label hat or whatever. It's just like you can meet them in a bar. And then you're like, oh, what's going on, man? You, know, you did Black Label. And then they start talking. Next thing you know, eight years from now, he's the best man at your wedding. You know what <laughs> I mean? So it's just, you know, and it's like, where'd you guys, how'd you guys hook up? It's like, oh, dude, I met in a, we met in a bar in Boston. You know what I mean? The next thing you know, you guys had that common bond and whatever, you know? So side of the Yankees and the Red Sox. But I mean, aside of that, everything else is cool. How, how do you go from... Being 11 years old, listening to Black Sabbath, and then finding yourself for the first time on stage with Ozzy. Um, well, no, it was, it was crazy. <laughs> that is, yeah, yeah, no, I, can't. I mean, it was pretty mind-blowing, but I mean, but the whole thing is I remember playing, uh, you know, just playing in a local, you know, in a bar, you know, I mean, it's this place called Close Encounters in Jersey. And uh, I remember we were probably playing there on a Friday night with about, like, eight of our friends and you know, three employees in there. And it's just like, and was, uh, one guy, uh, and that's, that's being generous. But I mean, but the whole thing is, this guy, Dave Feld came up and he was like, Hey, Zach, man, you ever think about auditioning for Ozzy? And I was like, I don't know. Did you just have lunch with Robert Plant and Jimmy Page? I'm like, you know, I, I don't know any of these people. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? I don't know how you get in touch with Ozzy Osbourne, you know? So, uh, but he was like, no, my buddy, uh, Mark Weiss is a photographer. Mark is the one that took all the famous shots of like, 
Ozzy with the tutu on and the boxing gloves and everything like that. So Marx is, uh, yeah. you know, a legendary Hall of, I mean, uh, photographer. So he, um, he said, well, Zach, if you just make a tape, you, you know, you get it to me, I can give it to Mark and you can see if you can get it to Mrs. O. And he goes, you know, I can't promise you anything, but, you know, so I'm looking, looking for a new guitarist during that, yeah, time, that time to replace. So okay. We, yeah. Jake was no longer in the band. Right. So, um, I ended up, you know, recording some stuff and, and, you know, a bunch of Aussie tunes and stuff. And then, uh, I remember my sister Amy took a Polaroid of me on my parents' uh, porch at my parents' house, Jersey. So, uh, ended up getting a picture. And, um, but I remember, and the crazy thing is, Ozzy, when I, when I came out there and auditioned, Oz was like, have I met you before? And I was like, I don't know, maybe he saw me at the at either any of the gigs at the Bark at the Moon tour or whatever. He saw me under the mezzanine. I'll submit all of us going nuts under the mezzanine. I, I just go, nah. And he goes, oh, okay, well, you know, Zach, whatever you do, play with your heart. You know, and I said, okay. And he said, you know, because I had crapped my pants just meeting him. He said, and <laughs> do me a favor, change your trousers and make me a ham sandwich and go light on the mustard. <laughs> so, so, uh, but, I, but the whole thing is, and which I've been doing for the last 30 plus years, but I mean, but the whole thing is, uh, but he said that picture, because he, he said, he goes, well, where have I met you before? And then he just goes, Zach, out of all the boxes and boxes of audition tape, he's like, I, I don't go through any of that stuff. So he said, but your picture was sitting on the kitchen table. And I, I, I remember looking at it and I go, oh, look, at that kid must really love Randy Rhodes. And that, that's all I thought about it, which I do. So, uh, but anyway, so, you know, so he said, well, you, after you get done crap in your pants, though, go make me that ham sandwich and go light on the mustard. So, but uh, yeah, and the rest is history, man. That's great. I think probably the picture did well, because that's something that's always said about you, because primarily I always look at guitarists as kind of like, you know, a little more feminine and they're like really skinny guys, but you're just this giant beard. And as you you kind of adapted that look, it was just so cool to see as a younger guy, like, oh, you can like lift weights and be tattooed and be a badass. And I think it's a little more prevalent now, but at the time, at least me growing up, it was, it was very like feminine looking guitarists. And you were just like this epitome of like, man, I'm like, yeah, I can break shit and like throw a sledgehammer and then <laughs> yeah. like shred some E minor pentatonic. Let's go, you know? So exactly, man. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, no, totally, man. But I mean, it, but mind you, when I first joined the band with the poofy hair and everything, it was just, uh, I remember when we played Wormwood Scrubs Prison when we were there, I go, I better play us the audition. I'm the closest thing to Farrah Fawcett that these fellas are ever going to see for a long <laughs> yeah. time. Uh, I mean, yeah. I remember somebody uh, somebody saying Zach Wilde's wallet chain is rated to lift a shipping container. I'll <laughs> <laughs> put it this way: we definitely, you know, it's it's definitely one of the uh, our merch items from Home Depot. That's for sure. <laughs> people, people are just like, "What's the deal with the chain wallet?" I said, "So you know, either you're going to pummel somebody if they try taking your wallet, or you know, just in case the the, the tour bus breaks down, we can tow it." With a chain wallet, you know. That's great. <laughs> well, I have a, I have, I, you know, I have a, a pretty historical story with you guys. Is you know that guitar I just showed you is for one of my best friends that retires on Friday after 20 years uh, in Air Force Special Operations. Oh wow! And, well, congratulations. Uh, the man. significance with that was one of the first military videos that I made and edited was for him after he got back from a, a, a deployment in 2006 and he wanted all the footage cut to junkies of genesis oh, so wow. where i cut my teeth in making the, the very videos that we've grown our company on was to 
cutting a video to Junkies Genocide. For oh, this, very, very cool. This guy that retires. That's, awesome, that's <laughs> awesome, man. Very cool. That's killing. Yeah. That's that's I think that's a staple back in like the 2006, 7, 8 era when you would, you know, make deployment compilations of being on target and blowing down doors. It's always the like, you know, a crazy train or something, you know, some iconic song. Yeah. And that would be it just it made it seem so much more like culturally appropriate to like just put this hard rock music to to deployment. I think everybody that's been in the military has probably had some deployment pictures or videos cut to to your music and um, licks you played. So yeah, a lot of, sure. a lot of terrorist killings been done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we used to do it all the time, man. Like Black Label Society. I mean, you name the band and like we're in the back of the striker, just like dun, dun, and just rocking out. Like, all right, we're about to go on target and put bullets in bad people's faces, and um, it's very motivating. It's like oh, it's like cool, a pre workout. <laughs> Anything I could do to help. <laughs> <laughs> what what would you say out of all of the things you've done because you've done solo stuff as well and I think um, people don't know that you have a voice of an angel as well um, <laughs> but uh, what, what what has been kind of like your favorite thing to do because you know coming into like you know Black Sabbath or Ozzy and that stuff it's like you you're playing probably other things you haven't been as far as as much in the writing process like what what really stands out to you when you go on stage like what's I'm sure they all have their different like benefits um but what what is to you like that you just love to do right now uh, currently in your career like is it solo stuff is it like what is it oh I mean for me it's the whole thing I mean it, it's just like uh it, it's just you know, it's just the same thing as working out. You know, I mean, whatever. I mean, there isn't any body part. I mean, whether you're working legs or you're working back, or you're working chest, or you're working arms, it, it's all good. You know what I mean? I, I don't, you know, dread any of it. I mean, I, like some people don't like the studio, you know, they just like the studio. They don't like torn. Some people can't make, stand making the records and they just like the torn. I, so, I mean, I enjoy the whole process. I mean, like even when I played Pop Warner, we played Little League. When I was a kid, I loved the practices and I loved the games. You know, with some people like, dude, I can't stand to practice. You know what I mean? I just like the games. So I, but I enjoy the whole process. So, you know, um, but even, you know, with the new record, I mean, I, I look, I go into it each time when we're making a new record as if it's the next season. You know what I mean? Whether we had just won the Super Bowl, we were that close, or we had an okay season, or it was horrendous. I just look at it's the new year and what the possibilities are going to be. You know what I mean? But it's always yeah. positive, you know, when you're going into it, you know? So I, I just enjoy, I'm blessed, man. I, I enjoy the whole thing, man. So it's just, you know, whether I'm playing with the boss or we're doing a Generation X thing and I'm playing with the fellas or the Experience Hendrix thing or Zach Sabbath or when we're Black Label rolling. And uh, I, I love the whole thing, man. There's not, there's, there's none of it that I don't like. I mean, like even when we're, you know, like when we're torn, I have never said, man, I can't wait until I get home. You know what I mean? Like I, I yeah. love being, I love doing what I'm doing. Like every night when we get up on stage, I, I, I have a good Lord every night. So it just, uh, I, I love, I love the whole process. And when I'm home, I love being home, you know, with my, with the kids and the dogs and the, you know, my wife and the whole thing. Like that is the vacation. How have you kind of kept that kind of mental conditioning to, cause you know, for, 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 I think a lot of us here and with videos and music and things that we've done, sometimes when a hobby and it's what you love and it's, you know, artistically venting, that can sometimes, if there's requirements and, and posting schedules, it becomes something that almost feels like work. 
how have you kind of just kept that and had such a good outlook on being blessed? Like I am so stoked to be able to do what I freaking love in my dream as a kid after I, you know, you weren't going to be a linebacker. Is it just you're just thankful every day kind of thing or? Yeah. I, I mean, put it this way. If the, if the four of us on the New York Yankees, I mean, it's, it's more every day we wake up, we're talking about, we own the stadium. It's just talking about how we can get parking and transportation into the stadium and out of it better. I mean, just little things like that. And then getting like, because now that we have the stadium, we want to make this living, breathing thing because we have condos set up in the stadium. We have restaurants. We have movie theaters set up in the stadium, bowling alleys. We have, it's this living, breathing thing. And we're just constantly talking about all that. Then we're talking about going and check out some kid pitcher from high school that's going to be the next Nolan Ryan. So we're going to go see him and see what, and meet his parents or whatever. And then you got, whatever trades we got going on and how we can fit this into the, you know, into the budget for the, you know, for the whole season and everything like that. So it's like every day we have something going on. And I always tell, you know, when, when parents are, you know, I'll be talking with some kids and they're like, do you have any advice or anything? I, I go, yeah, make the band your job. I go, that, that that's, that's it. That's your passion. You don't want to, you don't want to have some crummy job the rest of your life. You know? And it's like, of course not. And it's like, yeah, you want to play music. I said, so, Everything should revolve around the band, like a black label. Everything revolves around that. Because if you're not practicing and you're not doing that, then everything revolves around, you know, if, if we're not lifting weights and we're not training for the Olympia, we have, you know, Steve Kuko, who's a, one of, he's a black label brother down in Texas. So Steve's, you know, he was sixth place in that, Mr. Steve. Olympia, right? You know, Stevie. <laughs> Steve's, Steve's awesome. So uh, he's not a great patriot. So, I mean, the whole thing is this. So, uh, but Steve... If it's if he's not lifting, he has the Coop Classic and he has all these other things going on because he's a promoter for his own events and everything like that. So everything is revolved around his career and and it's what he has passion for and what he loves. So you know when you wake up in the morning, you look forward to doing that. So you know that's why I always tell kids make the band your little mom and pop shop, and then like you started it off as a coffee house, just like Brock Rife. You start off small and you just keep building and building and building and building until you. Create your own empire. That's how you do it. Yeah, you've you've reached a level of expertise in your field, Zach, that just very few people will ever get to that point. <clears throat> Outside of building that that foundation that you keep building, like what what would you say has been your greatest key to success within this whole journey? Um, well, I, I don't know. I, I mean, my whole thing is like like with anything. I mean, like starting Black Rifle or or with Death Wish, you know, with Bahala Java and everything like that. It just and the band. I mean, we, we started with Black Label. We're sitting here playing in front of, like you said, five people and a, and a and three people are working behind a bar and two people are shooting <laughs> playing pool while we're playing. I mean, that's how Black Label started out. How every band and, starts. It's your, yeah, the first audience is your closest friends. But you have to enjoy the process, you know what I mean, of building it until you have it. So it's paying the light bills, you know what I mean? So the whole thing is, uh, you know, until you start off small and then you're playing the Royal Albert Hall, you know what I mean? So the whole thing is, it, like you said, once again, you, you, I, don't, I don't look at it as work. I mean, you either accept the grind and, and it's not a grind. I mean, you just look forward to, you know. Achieving the next, if you if you bench press with five hundred pounds, the next thing when we get you into the next, you know, bench press competition is five oh five, and then just little small steps, you know what I mean? Until next thing you know, you know, it was a big deal when you 
cross 315 pound bench barrier. And now we're, you're up to 800 pounds. You know, we were all there when you started crossing each plateau, but there were just little steps along the way. So, I mean, that you apply that to everything in life. You really do. I mean, it's just like, you know, I, I put it this way, like even when I played Pop Warner, like the coaches, Mr. Wright and everything like that. You know, when they, they tell you when you were younger and you have great people in your life, I had, I had great coaches and teachers like that when, when I was just a little kid. But I, but the whole thing is, you know, people always ask me, what did you learn from your father? And, and you learned from Ozzy. And I go, nothing that I didn't already know. I go, but the, all they did was just, they just verified it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't have to be rah-rah guys. They just, they just showed up. No matter how banged up my father was, no matter how banged up Ozzy is, they always answer the bell. Always. And they don't complain about it either. Just get up there and do it. And then once the sooner we get this done, the sooner we can go home. You know what I mean? We can all sit here and complain about it. You know what I mean? It's just like we could be in a huddle and I'm looking at you. I'm going, can you, uh, you know, and you're sitting here, you got a compound fracture. You got your, you got a bone sticking out of your leg. And I'm like, you okay? You're like, no, I'm not. But what is that going to help if I keep complaining about it? We need to stop these guys. It's, you know, it's fourth yeah. and goal. You know what I mean? So it's just like, as soon as we stop them, then I'll, then I'll sit down. But I mean, you know, I mean, that's, well, I mean, I get, it's, and I can't even just say it's that, you know, that's the World War II generation with my father. All the fellas I roll with, that's the way they roll. That's the way, that's the mentality. So, you know what I mean? So, uh, otherwise you don't belong in the huddle. You know, it doesn't need to be said. You know what I mean? So just everybody knows what needs to get done and we ju- you just do it. Yeah. I love that. I, I feel that that's like that mindset's very synonymous with people that have continued success and long careers because they're not out there just to be famous. They're not out there for the money. They actually enjoy the craft or the, the artistry and whatever they're doing. And then you got like Ozzy or you, like you see that, you know, even from 20 years ago to today, it's like the same energy on stage, the same performance, and they're they're into it. It's not like you're checking a box and it's well, just it's like you said, box. Matt, and like 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 he's saying here, and you're and and I'm noticing it now, like the common denominator is none of us have a stopping point. We didn't say, hey, once we get once we get to here, we're all done. Like we we're still going. Yeah. Totally. Well, if you really just, enjoy it, you don't really want to stop the whole process yeah. anyway, you know? And I feel like that's a, that's what lazy people want to attribute, like, oh, that there's <clears throat> super talented people are just that way because they're blessed or, you know, they've been touched by the fucking piss of the unicorn or something like that. But it it really, like, you, the more of these conversations you have, it's it's a whole bunch of work ethics stacked on top of each other. Yeah, I, it really is true. But I mean, you know, I've always said, Lions hang out with other lions and they, they attract other lions. And then the hyenas, they get weeded out. They just do. And they don't last. You know what I mean? So, I, I mean, I could say from when the beginning, the band started, the people that were around and then, and who's here? You know what I mean? So I, I just think that's the way it is in life. You know, you have, like you said, you can't instill a work ethic in anybody. They either, you either get it or you don't. And that's that. You know, it's just like either you're going to put the time in, but I mean, like even, even play, I mean, I play every day, but I mean, the whole thing is you either, but I, I, I tell everybody, I go, you know, like when kids are playing video games, I go, when you're playing video games, you enjoy playing them. You don't, you're not practicing playing video games. You're just having a good time with it. And you're getting to, you keep getting to this one level and you're like, ah, oh, man, I keep uh, this one spot. I keep getting 
this one guy keeps getting me every time. It's just like, I got to, and when I get to that level, I got to look out for him on the left side. Then, I'll, then I can get in, then I can do it. I go, you're having a good time while you're playing. I go, it's the same thing playing guitar or any instrument you play. It's just like, you, you put the time in and then you just keep nice and slow and you get better and better and better and better. And then finally you got it. So, but like you said, it, it, when you're, when you're playing guitar, my parents never told me I had to practice ever. I'd get home from school and it'd be like 2.30 in the afternoon. I, I wouldn't, the only time I'd come out of that room was to take a piss or a crap. And then I'd go back in the room and I'd start practicing. So I'd go to midnight. And then after that, you know, if we, there, was, there was times where I'd go to school would not even sleeping throughout the whole day. I'd go to school and I'd be like dying while I was in school. But I mean, I'd have my guitar mags in my books. You know, like, so like, you know, I'm, I got my history book or I got, you know, my math book or whatever. And I'm, I got like, I'm reading about Randy Rhodes or John McLaughlin or Al Demiola, all my favorite guys, Frank Marino and everything like that. So, you know, like you said, you either got to be committed to the project or that's that, man. This is a little off the wall question, but I'm going to say it. What, what is... In your in your memory, the hardest guitar lick or riff that you've had to learn because I've been in those spots where I'm like, I this isn't fun. I do not want to play like sweeps or that for me, and it drives me insane. And I want to huck my guitar across the room, <laughs> but I'm like, no, play it at half speed and then start speeding it up. Like, do you have like one of those memories as far as like one of the songs you've done throughout your career where you're just like, oh my god. All right, this is, um, this is a little grindy because you, you can say no, you enjoy not, it all not, the time, not, but sometimes to the point where you you know, I, like you said, I, you, otherwise you just you just break it down and you play it slow and slow, and then each day you come back, you're a little bit faster, you're a little bit faster. So no, not really. I mean, like you said, I mean, like when when I could play that, I licked the back and black when I was just beginning. I mean, that was a big breakthrough, and then the intro licked to uh, Hey Joe, down 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 down. I was like, oh yeah. wow, I could play that. So I mean. Uh, by the way, random. That was one of my favorite things to learn. The part in Hey Joe that goes dan 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 dan. Chromatic, chromatic climb. Because now, now you can feel sound like the record. Yeah, yeah. I've got a question. You know, you you're one of the most advanced guitar players there are. Have you made any discoveries like over the years that that the music wide had people recognize like in theory or anything like that? Um, yes, that I can, I can clear a room out within a matter of seconds. That's what JD always says I can do. So the whole thing is, as soon as I start playing, like if you're like Zach, I'd like a, I just want to drink a delicious cup of Black Rifle and read this book I've been waiting to get. It's this room is crowded. I go, I can take care of that. Let me just play for a couple seconds here. It'll be empty. So, uh, no, I, I, you know, no, I mean, it's just like, you know how like when people say, um, you know, like this guy reinvented this or this guy did that. Or whatever. I, I go like, really, at the end of the day, like Angus Young doesn't need to reinvent anything. Just just write good songs. Like the Beatles don't need to reinvent anything because then you're just, you're constantly searching and this and that. I mean, like Eddie, Eddie Van Halen, you know, like just reinvented everything. You know, you had Hendrix and then when, when, King Edward came around, but like even Ed said, he goes, I wasn't trying, I wasn't searching to reinvent all this stuff. It was just like, I kind of stumbled upon it and I was just kind of like, oh, this is cool. Let me, let me see what I can do with this. And then next thing you know, you know, he's off to the races with it. But I mean, it, it, you don't sit around going, I'm going to read, I'm going to create a whole new 
breed of music and this and that. You know, you just well, it, basically you're just taking your influences and everything like that, and you're just kind of like expanding on it, and then you end up with where you're at. You know what I mean? So it's just uh, you know, yeah, it, it's just I I think with with all great musicians and stuff like that, I think that's where where they end up. You know, I mean, if you ask Alan Holdsworth, who's one of the most mind blowing guitar players of all time. You ask any guitarist, so all they all we all love Alan Holdsworth. So I mean, but the whole thing is how we go, how did you come upon the way you're the way you approach scales and the way, you know, because it's so musical, you know? And he's just like, no, to me it's just normal. It just makes sense. You know, I've seen when they they've asked Alan Holdsworth all these things. He's just like, no, to me, he's like, what what about this? Don't you understand? You know what I mean? And it's just like, wow. The way he views the fretboard is like completely unbelievable. But I mean, um, but he's not going out of his way. He's just going, I'm just doing what comes naturally to me. Have you, have you know seen any I mean? like recent like young up and comers that have kind of stuck out to you? Because I mean, you have YouTube now, you have a lot more resources than back in the day with the internet. You have, you know, automated tablatures and all these things. But is there somebody recently that kind of stands well, out? Yeah, like when we like, do the whoa. Generation X thing, Tosin the Bossy, like Tosin's out there. I mean, I know Tosin's not, he's not one of the new kids now. I mean, because, you know, Tosin's been doing it for a bit now. But, but, uh, but like, same thing with Tosin. No, he digs Holdsworth and everything like that. But, like, his take on the, the, his view of the fretboard and everything like that is, is, is phenomenal as well. And I mean, it's, and he's completely, it's amazingly unique. But he's, he's using all his influences that he likes and expanding upon them and, you know, coming up with his own thing. So, you know, it's just like, you know, making chicken piccata and then instead of using salt, you're like, Zach, I'm going to use capers on it. I like that better. You know, it's kind of <laughs> like, it's like salt, but I mean, it's, a, I, I like I like the taste of it even better. You know, and we're like, how'd you come up with that? And you're like, oh, I just saw it when they were sitting around. I just put them on. I was like, ah, oh, these can taste salty. I'll only put them on there. So, you know, just like you stumbling upon accidents, man. You know what I mean? That A lot of it has to do with that. And, and so Zach, like, uh, all of us are fairly close with Jack Osborne and uh, we've got to hang out with Ozzy a few times. We know that he's notorious for like reoccurring pranks. Like our friend, he ordered a birthday cake for him all three meals a day for 13 weeks straight. Like, is there any that <laughs> he would mess with you on? <laughs> oh, Jackie boy. I mean, you know, but, uh, but Oz, Oz would be hilarious, man. I mean, you know, uh, I mean, especially during the drinking days and everything like that. I remember, uh, you know, I remember Oz with uh, Bobby Thompson, God bless his soul. But Oz, BT had been with Ozzy, you know, since the 70s and everything like that. And then all the way through until when I was there. But uh, I remember, you know, with um, BT, <laughs> I remember like Oz would have these doom dots. So we'd all be going out drinking. He'd put these doom dots in, his, in your drink. He'd be out cold. And like I remember with Wait, what's a doom dot? Uh, just you know, I guess either whatever whatever concoctions the boss had around, whether they were pain pills, <laughs> I don't know what. Oh, it was. Okay, just yeah, put it this way. But uh, but be, you know, you'd be out cold. <laughs> I remember with Bobby shaved his one eyebrow off, shaved the top of his head, and it was just like Bobby woke up the next day and just looked in the mirror, and I remember. Uh, there's one time I, there was another guy, Pete Mertens, who actually uh, took care of St. Rhodes. He was his uh, guitar tech at the time. Pete was uh, with BT and Oz had shaved Bobby's 
eyebrow, shaved the top of his head, shaved like the size of his beard or something like that. And uh, Pete's reading the newspaper in the morning. Bobby comes out and he goes, look at me. Look at what he's done to me. Look at me. And Pete just had the newspaper up because he knew all about it. He goes, I can't look. I can't look. <laughs> he just wouldn't look at him. But uh, yeah, Ozzy'd be doing that all the time. I remember when I first joined the band, I'd, I'd be putting all my guitar cases up against the door because I didn't have a lock on the door. You know, I remember when I was when we were first at the Beatles, we were in this converted horse ranch, and it, we were just it was converted into like a living quarters with a rehearsal place and a kitchen. I remember we were doing No Rest for the Wicked there, my first album. So I was like whatever, 19, 20 years old, and I'm hanging out in there. I remember putting all my guitar cases up against the door. So if he came in at night, I'd hear him. You know what I mean? So I was like, yeah, you, you had a modified tripwire. It was an early alarm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're like, you're not shaving this beard, dude, or my hair. <laughs> don't touch it. Uh, comedy, man. I don't think a lot of people realize um, that haven't been around musicians and touring because it is such a close niche family, specifically if you're on a tour bus and you're, in maybe a newer band, but I mean, you are like a cohesive, you know, degenerative family almost because you're living on top of each other. You're on the road every single night. And it's, I mean, I'm sure the stories and memories from, from touring are just absolutely insane because of the bands that we've hung out with and, and, and been a part of touring. It's, it's, it's a pretty wild experience because you have so many different personalities. You have maybe the guy that has the girlfriend that doesn't drink. And then you have the crazy Drugs, party guys. It's just this weird conglomeration of different personalities all in all in one tour. I mean, without a doubt. I mean, but the whole thing is, uh, I mean, and that's the big thing too. You got to be around people you enjoy being around for sure. I mean, that that's a huge part of it, man. But I mean, but the thing is this. Uh, I, I remember, you know, the black, the early black label days, the Animal House years when everyone was berserking. I, it was like it wasn't just the band. I mean, it was the whole Doom crew. As well. So, I mean, it was the Doom Crew, the band, it was completely Animal House. I mean, it was like you had Bluto, you had D-Day, you had every, I mean, it was just completely out of control. I mean, it's just everybody, the amount of booze. I remember we went, it was on the one Ozfest. And I remember, what was there, 12 of us on the in the sub? And then I remember uh, we were, I remember, um, you know, High Command called and uh, the Immortal Beloved, we get this call, you know, because she was at the accountants. She was just like, well, I guess uh, there's a problem. The berserkers are shut off. I go, well, what's the matter? She goes, we just got the credit card statement in. I was like, well, what's the problem? She goes, oh, there's a problem. And I go like this, I go, well, how bad could it be? And she goes, well, why don't you take a guess? And this was this was on the, the, the business card, the American Express, right? The, uh, the, the, the corporate card. I'm like, you know, because it would be the four of us rolling in every day and we'd hit another liquor store and just, you know, we just, we're, we're going in with pallets now, you know, of just no. what we need for everybody, right? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Oh, yeah. So the whole thing is, just imagine the four of us, we're just rolling in and we got the rest of the, the rest of the fellows are out in the sub. So, I mean, the whole thing is, it's just like, I go, well, how bad could it be? And she's just like, well, I go, what? 10 grand, 15 grand. I mean, we'd had, we'd been out for almost three weeks. And I was just like, she like, there's silence on the other end. They go, 20 grand? You got you to remember, you got to throw in some, some Roots Chris Steakhouse meals on this. Of course. Yeah, of course. course. Some Morton's. And, yeah. You know, so some, we some, made it Ruth Chris yes, Steakhouse. Without a doubt. Oh, so of course. I get is, it. Uh, totally. So, uh, 
I'm like, well, how bad could it be? Uh, we're about 15 grand, 20 grand. I go, 25. I go, 30? And she's like, silence on the other end. I go, come on. I go, 35. 40? 45? And it was like 51 grand. Oh, in the seven. 57. Yeah, see, there you go. I just had <laughs> 57, 57, 57 grand in three in, weeks in, in under three weeks. Yeah. So <laughs> we need a couple of Guinness Book of World Records that might like, be a record. That's a good in, time. I like, go, my liver can attest to that and my pancreas. Totally worth yeah. it. Yes. <laughs> well, I think I think the term, my experience the last few years, the term party like a rock star doesn't exist anymore. Like some of these new bands, they just don't, they don't do it. Oh, well, I mean, the crazy thing is, I remember, I remember when, uh, you know, when the whole pain pill thing started happening. I, you know, because I was just, I was just always just a booze guy, I was just beer, and then like if, we're, if the four of us were sitting up in top in front of the sub, driving, we had like a. 15 hour drive, you know, it'd be the four of us up front drinking Crown Royal and ginger ale and there's another and a, and a beer. So, I mean, we'd have either Bex and you, you, you guys would be like, you're sitting in the captain's chair. You're like, Zach, do me a favor, go grab me another, uh, you know, crown of ginger or whatever. So I get you another highball or whatever. And then, you know, we just sit up there and solve the problems of the world, listen to great music, you know, as, as the world goes by. So, you know, that was a great time. So you're in, you're in a million dollar Irish pub rolling down the road. So, I mean, it's like, it doesn't get any <laughs> yeah. better than that. So, I mean, I the whole that. thing is, uh, exactly. So, but the whole thing is, um, yeah, I mean, when the pain pill thinks that, this one, I, I mean, like, we'd, we'd be going out and like, some of the fellas would be going, I'd go, guys, who wants, what do you want to drink? I'd go, you know, Jack and Coke, uh, a Beck. So, what do you, who, what do you want? And it's like, nah, Zach, just give me a water, bro. Water. I'm like, you know, because I'd end up knowing that, like, some of the fellas are already about, 18 beers ahead of me because they're, you know, whether they're on Percocets, you know, uh, Dilatas, or I don't know, whatever guys are taking, you know, whatever pain pills and stuff like that. So the, the big thing is don't mix any booze when you either, if you're taking pain pills, don't mix it with alcohol. And that was the big thing. And I remember, you know, you a couple guys I know that, that died in the sub just from taking pain pills and booze because you're mixing the two and they're both, you know, depressants. So then, just go to heart bed stops. and yep. your heart stops. You know, just do, 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 do. And you don't even know. You're, you're out. And we check our buddy in the morning, he's gone. You know, Damn. so, yeah, that was the big thing with the, you know, I remember, because I didn't know. I mean, I'm, I'm not, I don't take any pain pills. So, you know, it's just like, even, even when I bang myself up, if the doctor gave me any pain pills, I'd never take them. That means I couldn't drink, so I'd rather <laughs> I'd rather go. Yeah. I'd rather be hurting, and as long as I can get a beer, you know what I mean. So I was like, Nah, I'll skip the pain pills. I don't need them. So, but I the think, rest of the guys were going, "Hey, you know, jackass! If you ain't taking them, you can you can toss them over this way." You know what I mean? Yeah, right. So yeah. So has between, it been Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Between the pain pills, the booze, the Viagra, and whatever else <laughs> was floating around out yeah. there, yeah, it was great. That would always be great, man. Lots of Viagra. But whenever um, the girl, whenever the girls were coming out, it was hilarious. Like, you were Viagra, you were like a crack dealer, bro. I mean, it was just like all well, the guys were like, "Hey, Zach, do me a favor, hook me up. Susan's coming out, bro. Oh yeah, no problem. You know, send you in with a hundred milligrams to secure black label victory. <laughs> and attack like Genghis Khan and the Merry Men. I feel like there should be a song about that, like a, a groupie song called "To Victory." You know. 
What is it? Steel Panther. Oh, there's Genocide Junkies and the new one on a new record, Destroy and Conquer. (laughs) So there you go. Yeah. All right. (laughs) What's your opinion on like kind of how the music industry has changed so much? I'd, I'd venture to say probably like in the last like 15 years, at least from my perception. I mean, because like rock kind of died out a little bit, country got big and then pop. And then now it seems there's these like pockets. There's not one necessarily huge genre. It seems that there's so many. It's not like back in the days when Metallica would play in front of, you know, 100,000 people or would name the number or something like that. It seems that that happens in Europe a little bit, right? But not so much in the States. And and I'm excluding COVID and kind of what's happened with that. But it, it doesn't seem like it's... A, do you feel that on your end or is it still well, no, because... I, I mean, I, I think like this, it's just like, I think, you know... um Looking at looking at like from Ozzy's perspective and Robert Plant and Jimmy Page, you gotta remember. So like when the Beatles were rolling and the Stones, you know, when they were putting movies out, that was kind of like you know that's what bands were doing. That was their social media, if you really think about it. So you know, Beatles putting movies out. I mean, first it was Elvis putting the movies out, and then all of a sudden, then the Beatles are doing it. Then you know, Zeppelin put their the song remains the same out, and then so that was the the kind of that was basically Instagram and Twitter and YouTube for really when, you know, putting your, you have a movie, you know, and then you got to remember when, then when MTV started, it was kind of like, well, I'm sure like Ozzy and Robert Plant and Jimmy Page were like, what the hell is this? It's just like, well, basically it's like a, a three minute commercial for your song. You know what I mean? So it's like, oh, okay. But it's just like, do we have to do this? I mean, we never had to do this stuff. And it's just like, well, I mean, it's it's probably good, you know. If we can do a three minute commercial for a Black Rifle, we might as well do it. You know what I mean? It's only gonna it's only an advertisement so people know about the coffee. So I mean, so then you had that, and then it kind of just morphed into where we're at now. You know, with social media and YouTube and everything like that. I mean, put it this way: back in the, when I was rolling before Ozzy, and you know, I started with the Boss in '87, '88. If if you didn't make it by the time you were 30 years old, you could basically sell all those guitars that are sitting behind you and the dream is over. You know, I mean, whereas now you have social media, you can literally be your own boss, your own label, your own merch guy, your own everything. Like you don't need to, you know, basically then it was like, if we don't get a record deal, we'll never amount to anything. You know what I mean? Now you can be your own, your own mom and pop shop. You know what I mean? Which is, I got to be yeah. honest with you, which is pretty awesome. Pretty cool. So you can be your own boss. You know what I'm saying? Which is, yeah, I feel like the that is the best because of- that that's freedom. That freedom you can you cannot put a price tag on that. Whether you have your own little apartment, it doesn't matter. It's yours, and no one can tell you how to decorate it. No one can tell you what you know. You got to take it down your Led Zeppelin posters. No one can tell you anything. It's yours, man. You know, and I don't care if it's if if it's if it's the size of this, and you got to sleep on a, on a small little cot. It, it doesn't matter. It's yours, and that freedom is you cannot take that away. You know, you don't have anybody telling you what kind of songs you got to write. You don't have anybody telling you what. You know, I'm just saying it's that. You know that you can't put a price tag on that. So, and that's what everybody kind of has nowadays. You know, where you can build your own little band on social media and make it happen. Zach, do you enjoy that process of making music videos to accompany the audio? 
Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't know if you guys saw the new one that we just did, the, the set you free type thing. I just, you know, I wanted to, uh, I just wanted to emulate my high school prom back from 1985 in Jackson Memorial High School, you know, <laughs> equipped with bath salts and the whole nine yards. So, <laughs> but I mean, yeah, the videos, I, I have a blast doing them. You know what I mean? Like I said, like I, like I tell kids, make the band, have a hand in everything. You know what I mean? Like if we own the Yankees, we're, we have a hand in how we want the, the grass cut. You know what I mean? Down to everything that's yeah. in that stadium, aside of the trades and the, and the free agency and, and everything. So, yeah, just, I enjoy, like you said, I enjoy every little, little thing of it. I think that's a really good point because social media has provided a lot more independent artists to kind of do exactly what they want. And the labels don't necessarily monopolize, you know, what's coming out as much as they used to, because now you can essentially upload to like a tune core or something from an independent artist standpoint and publish your music, get distribution. And then you're not having people say, Hey, uh, we don't like you in white shirts, Matt. You got to wear red shirts. And actually, we want you to grow your hair out. I mean, certain sometimes in, in labels. I mean, I mean but... put it this way. I mean, like with the labels, you know how it was always a, us against the label. It should never be that way anyways. I mean, the bottom right. line is if the four of us are running Black Label and, you know, Black Rifle Records, I mean, the whole thing is this. We want the bands to succeed. You know what I mean? So like the, the, the bigger you guys are, the bigger we are. You know, and the more the more... You know, that that nice, gorgeous Malibu house that you just bought, you know, right on the beachfront property. You know, these bands, the bigger they are, it, it, it's better for everybody. So, I mean, the whole thing is you don't want bands to fail. So, I mean, but the whole thing is when, I think when labels are asking certain things of the artists, they're just, they're just going, we just think this would help. You know what I mean? That's all. It's not that they don't believe in you. It's just like, no, guys, we're just thinking, you know. Telling Tom Brady, I just think instead of throwing downfield all the time, maybe throw to Gronk once in a while. That's all. You know what I mean? Maybe that might help. Like on third down, or maybe on first down. Maybe, maybe they're thinking we're going deep. Just throw to the tight end. Boom, there's eight yards. You know what I mean? That's all. We're just making suggestions. You know, we're not telling you what you got to do. You know what I mean? So Good point. Yeah, I, I think it's, they. you know, because if we make a vested interest in somebody, we want them to succeed. That's all. Totally makes sense. Yeah. I do like it's all, like you said. It's all perspective. It's all how you look at it, man. It really is. Yeah, it's interesting to talk to you because that that you have a very good perspective on all that. And it, I mean, I think people have been swayed to say, you know, the labels are the big bad boogeyman, but obviously they've been very beneficial for people. And they, yeah, they serve, like, like they think about it. We're investing a lot of money in you, and we want you to succeed. We're just thinking, you know, if, if this could help, make you know, get you to the next level. That's all. Have you always been a Les Paul guy? Yeah, I mean, when I was, you know, because obviously Leroy played one, my guitar teacher, and then uh, obviously St. Rhodes played one, Jimmy Page played one, the guys in Tin Lizzie, uh, you know, then seeing pictures of Eric Clapton with one, Keith Richards, you know, it just seemed like all the, the classic guys and the, the, the guys that I love, and I saw they would all be playing Les Pauls, you know what I mean? So, and I, and I just always thought, you know, Les Paul just looks so classy, I just, you know. I love the look of it. So, but I was always more of a custom guy than a than a standard guy. I love the standards too, but the customs just you know, really more of a solid machine. So you know, I don't own a Les Paul, but I I have to get one now. I, I promise to that. I'll yeah, the, the Pauls. I mean, but you know, it's so funny because you have you're like Slash is just a standard guy, and he loves them. You know, he plays he plays customs every once in a while, but I mean, like 
Jimmy Page, he has customs too, but he, he's a standard guy. You know what I mean? Whereas you got, and Randy Rose was a custom guy. So, I mean, you know, but it's just like Fender guys, you know, you have, I, I have my buddies that are Kelly guys to the grave. Yeah. And then I got my other friends that are Strat guys to the grave. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, you give them a Telly, they're like, get that thing away from me, man. And the same <laughs> yeah. thing with my my friends that I play Telly. So like, uh, nah, no thanks. Right. What you am know? I? Some, it's like, pr- I'm not yeah, Brad like Paisley. Tonight. Get that Telecaster yeah. out of my hand. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's great. What, uh, exactly. so what what projects do you have going on right now you'd want to kind of inform the audience about um, whether it's new well, we music? Got the new al- or- yeah, we got the new album out, right? You know, it's going to be coming out on Black Friday. You know, it was, everything's got to be black, but none more black, Black Friday, black, you know. Uh, I remember when I painted the studio black, right? The, 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 uh, the guest house, we turned it, we, it's a studio, right? The Black Vatican. I painted black. My wife's like, you're joking. I go, well, I'm not in purple. Label society. I'm in black yeah, what label do you society. For me over here, exactly. Yeah. And she goes, "What are you? Twelve? I go, "No, I'm thirteen. And don't ever insult me like that again." So uh, I'm a teenager now. I'm a man. I'm a man. I can so do it. I mean, uh, yeah. No. So um, but no, it's coming out on Black Friday. I guess whatever. That is, I guess right after Thanksgiving there. So November 26th on uh, uh, the tour. Or November what? 28th. What is it? I think it's November 26th. Say, say, and I, I, I yeah, offer all yeah. that. You thought I couldn't read. But anyway, so, <laughs> the whole thing, so, so the thing is, uh, no, the, the album comes out in November. Doom Crew Incorporated comes out in November 26th. But we're, we, the tour starts, uh, obviously, October 1st. And we run through uh, November 28th. Then we take a little break. And then we do the Black Label. Christmas run from uh, New Year's Eve from the 26th of uh, December to New Year's, you know, obviously New Year's Eve with the Arizona chapter. And I think we're supposed to be rolling with the boss in a black label, you know, Aussie boot camp around, I guess, the first week of January. That's the game plan right now. And then, uh, so that's what we got going on. And then, you know, I guess awesome. more, more touring with black label over in Europe and everything like that, seeing how, you know, the COVID thing's going on. You know, yeah, right. you know how that goes. Yeah. yeah. Is this going to be the first time you're you're back on tour since COVID hit? Well, yeah. I mean, I remember the the the, the last show we did was with uh, the Milwaukee chapter out there with uh at the rave, and I remember that was the last gig we did. And I, I remember, you know, the all of us looking at each other, going, "Well, we'll be, I guess we'll we'll be back at it in what two weeks, a month." You know, uh, you know, this yeah. is before everybody realized. You know the, right. the, the big what was going on, so we just figured out. Well, you know, we we'll go home for a month. They'll you know sort this out, whatever. You know, and then everybody will be back out. And then uh, next thing you know, eighteen months later, here we are. <laughs> uh, you know, now I think it was last from the last show to the when we did Sturgis, and then we did uh, another gig in Montana, and then we just did the Blue Ridge Rock Festival in Virginia. We did those three shows. Those were. But, you know, as we got up on stage, I'm looking at you guys. You're looking at me. I, I'm, it's like, didn't we just do this like two weeks ago? You know, right. it didn't feel like yeah. two years ago. You know, basically, almost. So, I don't, you know, so I, I just think even with this COVID thing, I think it gives everybody a chance to reconnect with their families and say, you know, because once the grind gets going, you, you kind of lose sight of that. 
You know what I mean? So, you know, whether you, whether you can see your parents more, or your grand, you know, Zach, I was, oh my, I got a chance to see my grandmother. She was pretty old and I, you know, I got a chance to spend some quality time with her before she passed away or whatever. You know what I mean? So uh, even Joey, I remember Joey was just like, man, Zach, I was always hoping like I'd be home before my, cause my dogs were getting old and they'd been with us forever. And they're just like with COVID, he was actually home and he, you know, because he had to be home with his, and he has three sons now. So, uh, and the dogs passed away, two of them. So, but he was just like, Zach, if I was on the road, I wouldn't never had that quality time with him, you know, or been home when it happened. You know what I mean? So, but, uh, I, I think for a lot of people, it just, you know, they, they being able to be with their families and spend actually some quality time was a cool thing. And then, you know, because I think once the grind gets going again, it's going to be, well, it's back to the grind, you know? Yeah. So I think people are going to go, well, it was pretty, it was pretty nice when the world kind of slowed down for two seconds. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Well, awesome, man. I mean, awesome. yeah. Yeah. Thank you for coming on the show. And uh, you've been very influential in my, my crappy guitar playing. Um, but well, keep <laughs> shredding it. My yeah, I, I will try. Well, so. you got the black <laughs> rifle, hit the black rifle and just get that a couple extra hours of practice. That's what I do. You know I just throw down a couple RTDs, you know, ready to drinks. And I'm just, yeah, there you so. go. There you go. It works. <laughs> Well, congrats on all your success and uh, yeah. being a legend in the space. And we really appreciate you coming on the, well, the podcast. When we, when we, where are you guys located at right now? Yeah, we hope to catch you on tour, uh, San Antonio. All right, San Antonio. We'll just, you know, talk to Father Blasco over there and we'll make sure you guys are all taken care of when you come down. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right, fellas. Appreciate talking to you guys. Take Thanks, care. sir. That concludes today's training. Any questions? Woo! Drum titties, boy!